looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friends. Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, alright? I need help! E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh my god! Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. Ah, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my. Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Hi, my name is Nicholas Vince, and you are listening to the Crazy Train Radio Show.
gentleman here at Monster Media that we are sitting with, born in West Germany, but from South London, and had over here at Monster Mania as well as part of the Hellraiser reunion, Mr. Nicholas Vince. Nick, how are you, sir? Can I call you Nick? How do you, of course, uh, please call me Nick. That's I, fine. Yeah, I'm not sure how you... I, I, I get called all sorts of things. Yeah, so... Um, so yeah, Nick is absolutely fine. I'm good, Jonathan, and the sun's just come out. Yeah, it was out a little bit while we were... Yeah, it started warming up a little bit, but yeah, it's all good. Yeah, it's, it could yeah. be, we could be out here in rain or snow or... Yeah. Yeah, so um, much worse. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm good, thank you very much. So, uh... Not your first Monster Mania, no, and done several shows, but I gotta ask because we ended the my interview with uh, Barbie with this question, but I'll start it off with you. Mm. Yeah, and far as far as doing these conventions and stuff, I'm sure you guys see a lot of things from photos to DVDs to that that what up down the line. Mm. Strangest thing you ever signed? Somebody's calf or the lower part of their leg above a tattoo of the Chatra so that they can have my signature tattooed above there. And he had all of us. I think my memory is that he had all four Cenobites on the lower part of his leg. So I think that's possibly the weirdest thing I've actually had to sign. I've signed young ladies' bosoms, um, she was very drunk. She's now a very good friend. <laughs> she was, very, was the first time I met her, but she was very drunk. Um, and, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be parts of people's anatomies. You know what? And the funny part is, Barbie said the same thing. Somebody's leg. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This was two minutes before Nick came. We're taping this outside by the pool. And before he came outside, we were wrapping up. And I had this question for her because we, with these epi- two different episodes, we yeah. taped Barbie first, chronologically at least. And she said the exact same thing. He was not sitting here when he... When she said no, this. No, no. Yeah, but he came out and said hello. We were talking for a minute. Introductions. <laughs> Folks, I am not kidding when she had this exact same answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy shit. That, that's beautiful. So, obviously, you've done... You're here for Hellraiser, and your role was Chatterbox in 1 and 2 and mm-hmm. such. And they, most people remember that movie from for, was it, 32 years now at this point, something like that? Yes. Uh, And what were your takes on the role prior to going into the project? And where is your mindset now, all these years later, as far as the evolution is, the fan base finding this project? Okay, so, all right, so what was my first take of the, of it, basically, when I first discussed it with Clive, he, the role of Clive, he just he described Chatterer as the family dog. He's the only person. He's the only. He's the only Cenobite who actually touches anybody. Um, Butterball and uh, uh, the female Cenobite and um, yeah, somebody's locking us out. Um, Butterball, Pinhead. Chatter is the only one who actually lays a hand on anybody, mostly on Ashley, um, uh, who's playing Kirsty. Um, so it, it's a lot of very movement, but then when we got in, when it got me into the makeup and uh, costume, we realized I, had, I could hardly see 
and the costume itself was leather sculpted to fit my body. Um, so it was very restrictive. I, you know, I wasn't able to do very much. So we had to rethink it, uh, or Clive had, you know, had to rethink it. So that, it, it was always going to be a very physical performance because I never had life. So what did we come up with since you said he had, Clive had to rethink the... Well, I mean, for example, the, the putting of the fingers into Ashley's mouth, I, I don't remember that being in the script. You know, it was just something that came out on, on set. Um, and I think, you know, he... Would that have been something you would have tried out? Oh, or no, no, no. This, this, this is suggested? No, this is Clive. This, this, is, this is all Clive's fault. Yeah. <laughs> no, Clive's the genius behind Hellraiser. Yes. Um, and many other projects. Yeah, and many other, yes, absolutely. Um, so, it, yeah, I, I think, because he originally had uh, me crouching down, but then he didn't like the way the costume behaved, so I was definitely going to be standing up. And then once, as I say, I was walking into the, um, just walking, we're just going to be interrupted out here, it doesn't matter. No, it's, yeah, <laughs> it could be worse. It could be a lot worse. Um, so, it's Secret Service looking it's for, a service. I, I won't make the political jokes, we won't go to everybody, you know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so I, I think one of the powerful things, and I'm not sure Doug said this before, I think, you actually don't have to do very much with those makeups to make them work. As images, the Cenobites are so powerful. You know, the whole makeup design, in my case, the makeup was designed by a gentleman called Nigel Booth, based on Clive's drawing um, and description. They just work, you know, even if they're not doing anything, they just work as, as a concept. Um, and I think it's just the fact that he does, as I say, Chatra touches people. You know, he physically, he repels Andrew Robinson, uh, Frank, um, at the end. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, but a lot of it wasn't just made up, in, in my mind, by Clive on the set. And that's often the way with film, because of course, you know, you put one thing in the script, you've got the set, you, but once you've got the lighting, you've actually got the people, you've got the current camera angles and so on. It's very different. Um, so it was kind of a fluid process, is my memory of it. Okay. So uh, obviously you've made a name with in the horror industry because you propelled from that with your writings and other projects you, you're involved with. Mm. Be, prior to getting involved with Hellraiser and such, was horror within your wheelhouse? Oh, very much. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, funnily enough, I'm, I'm working on a one-man show at the moment. Was this the announcement you told me initially when yeah, we were? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm working on a one-man show um, called I Am Monsters, um, which I'm currently rewriting. It's supposed to be finished two weeks ago, but hey, um, hopefully it'll be finished by the end of next week. Um, the um, so I I was looking back and I was thinking that this all started when I was young. Um, I read the Greek myths and legends when I was about seven or eight years old, and I was always really attracted to the monsters. I was far more interested in minor, in the Minotaur and Medusa than I was with the than the heroes. Um, and as a teenager, I had. Um, 
plastic figures, figurines, Aurora model kits, the famous monsters of Moverland um, Aurora model kits. I had Wolfman, Dracula, and Phantom of the Opera. And I didn't have to paint the head and hands because it would glow in the dark. Um, so I just had to paint, paint the costumes. Um, but, you know, but for me, it was very regular. And I was, you know, we watched, I watched horror movies. I watched um, not many because you know, we're talking about the UK. We're talking about the, 19, the early 1970s um, where stuff was screened on a, on a Friday night and a Saturday night. Uh, mostly on a Friday night when I was watching them. It's, been, it's things like the Frankenstein Universal um, movie, Dracula. Uh, and then at some point I got to see the Roger Corman, Edgar Allan Poe, Vincent Price movies. Completely fell in love with Vincent Price as an actor. Uh, and for, his, for the humanity he brings to monsters, uh, which I, I was always profoundly struck by. Um, so yeah, Monster was definitely, and I was reading stuff, I was reading um, short stories, um, handbook of horror, um, all those, uh, yeah. So uh, your your project, I Am Monster, which, Monster, excuse me, that you mentioned there, yeah. is actually going to be, if I remember reading this correctly, uh, at the London Horror Festival, yes. which is also one of the projects you're heavily involved as a founder, correct? I'm not as a founder, I'm as a patron. Okay. As a patron. So, no, I didn't found it. Um, it was uh, founded by a couple of guys in London. Um, but it's currently run by a lady called uh, Katie Danbury uh, with her, her, her co-producer, Joe. Um, it's now in its ninth year. I've been the patron since 2016. So this is my third year as patron. Um, which basically means I've been supplying, helping in the early days with websites when, and so on. Um, but I've been involved in it prior to that as either judge, uh, Barbie and I judged a writing competition that was part of the festival. And um, I also had two of my short stories, I dramatized two of my short stories from the book, What Do Monsters Do, for the London Horror Festival in 20. 13, I think, possibly 14, 13, 12, 13, I think it was actually 2013, um, which is when you know, it was sold out audiences every night. Um, so yeah, so I've been involved, um, I'm closely involved, and the, the London Horror Festival is the UK's oldest and largest festival of live horror performances. Yeah. It, it's extraordinary. I I love it because no anyone who knows me or seen my podcast, you know, seen me before knows that I am <clears throat> I'm a scaredy cat. Um, I get ridiculously scared and frightened by things. Um, and I remember last year I was watching something and this the girl sitting next to me was burying herself in her boyfriend's arm saying, make it stop, make it stop, make it stop. And I'm thinking, yeah, no, please make it stop. This is really, really scary. And I think there's something incredibly visceral about the fact that you're in a, in that case, it was a 60-seater theater uh, last year, but it's now moved, uh, the festival. It's very intense. 
Um, this year we're now at the Pleasance as well as the old Red Lion. Um, and the, there's there's two venues, at the, there's two uh, spaces in the Pleasance Theatre. There's the main stage, 230 seats, and um, stage space, I think it's called, uh, which is about 50 or 60 seats. Uh, I'm in the main house. My show officially opens the festival. Um, so if you're in London, or the UK, come to think of it, or Ireland, Anyway, come and see my show. If you're in the region, folks. In the, re in the region. 8th to the 10th of October at 7 o'clock. It's only 50 minutes long. Uh, or it will be 50 minutes once I re <laughs> edit it. I did my first read-through. It's got it's to be under an hour. And I thought 50 minutes for a read-through by the time if you then add in audience reactions. 50 minutes is what I should be aiming for. And I did my first read-through. And it came out at 1 hour 20. So my rewrites is a lot of cutting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's all part of the process. Yes. Um, it's all part of the process. Well, speaking of that before, I got a couple of other things I want to touch base mm. on, but we got to let you set up and all because of the time-wise and all. Mm. But uh, when you're at a festival like the London Horror Fest, mm. and can you compare that audience over there in the UK compared to what you may see here in the States? Whether it's at a Monster Mania, Texas Fright Night, you know, yeah, it, one would think it'd be a different set of audience. I I think what I find really fascinating, I don't know because of course the London Horror Festival, because it's a theatre festival, um, means you know you've got an audience sitting in the theatre watching things, um, as opposed to like a film festival right here at Monster Mania where people are. Um, Secret services back. Yeah, the Secret Services back. Um, the um, yeah, sorry, I lost the train of my thought. You were talking about uh, being in a theatre. Different, different, different audiences. Yes. I'm amazed at the range of people. Uh, who come, you know, all sorts of people. Um, I was talking to a gentleman last year who's a Hasidic Jew. Oi. Uh, and he, he, he was there, and I just think, I'm curious, uh, why, you know, what brings you? He said, I love live theatre, and I've always been really fond of the London Horror Festival because it brings some of the most intense live theatre uh, that he goes to see. Um, but literally all ages, walks of life, um, you know, goes along. And I think that's the same here, you know, people are, I was talking to somebody on the, on the, on my flight over here and she was saying, <clears throat> she's a professor, uh, or a retired professor, she, she has no interest in horror whatsoever. So I was trying to explain to her, I said, horror people, we all know we're weird. Therefore, we're really forgiving, really generous, very open. We really don't judge people. Yeah. But um, I think that's what I love about the horror, horror audiences generally, um, and the, horror, the fans of horror, is that we're the ones who are kind of on the edge of society in, in, in some respects. Um, you know, otherwise we're completely and utterly normal, race families, etc., etc. Um so, yeah, it's just, but the other festival that I'm, that I'm doing when I go back, uh, literally the evening I return, is Fright Fest, which is the um, UK's biggest film, for a film festival. It's five days. It's huge. Um, and it's there now in their 20th year. 
And again, I, I, what I love about Fright Fest is the fact that it is audiences get to chat with the filmmakers. Um, I've met a whole load of people through Fright, Fright Fest who are filmmakers who just genuinely support each other. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to work with, with uh, a handful of them as well. And it's just a big family. And then these are people who've been going for most of the 20 years, going to, to fight Fright Fest. And you just, you know, we, I know on Wednesday when I go back and meet up, uh, the Soska sisters are going to be there. Okay. Because um, the rabbit is premiering. Um, it's just going to be like meeting family. It really is just hanging out with family. Well, obviously, uh, you've won awards over at the London Horror Society and Texas Fright Night mm. or Frightmare event, different things for lifetime achievements mm. and such. But probably the coolest thing and out of everybody I've seen lately is you actually have your own show as well, Chatting with Chatting uh, Nicholas Vince. Yeah, yes. I did. Uh, for folks who might not be familiar with that show, what can you tell folks about? Okay, well, it's... Or tell people about that. I don't tell people about that show. It ended in December of okay. last year. I stopped broadcasting in December of last year. I'd done uh, 139 episodes. Um, and basically, I turned 60 yesterday. Happy birthday. No, no, yesterday, last year. Last oh, year. Okay. I turned 60 last year. What am I talking about yesterday? I turned 60 last feels year. Like yesterday. It feels like yesterday. Um, and it was kind of like, okay, well, what do I want to do for the next 20 or 30 years? Um, actually, I, I really want to do, you know, this is when, this is when I was really seriously thinking about the one-man show and a couple of other projects. Um, so I, I took the decision to stop um, doing chattering with Nicholas Films, but w the reason for doing it, and again, was just to kind of talk to independent filmmakers and artists and writers. Um, I'm incredibly grateful to Clive. Um, I'm very fortunate that I was involved in Hellraiser, um, which has got such a huge following as does Nightbreed. Um, and I just thought, you know, I'm meeting all these people, as I say, through Fright Fest um, and, and elsewhere. I'm meeting all these really talented young uh, filmmakers. I really wanted to do something where I can kind of pay it, pay it forward, pay it back, you know, yeah, give something back uh, by giving people a, a place where they could get involved and build up a community and so on. Like, they, they called themselves the Chatterites. Um, Somebody of one of them christened, so they, they regularly referred to themselves as a Chatterite. Um, and have t-shirts made. It's really, really sweet. Um, Get them at the nearest convention near you, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that was, is all. It's, as I say, it's, it's part of the family, and I, you know, I get very enthusiastic when I meet very interesting people. I get very enthusiastic when I meet people, but when I meet very interesting people, um, I think it's, a, it's wonderful. It's absolutely amazing. And I just want to share, I love sharing friends. I love it when people get to meet one another. I love it when 
things come out of it. I love, I love the fact that people, not necessarily through me, but in you know, through all these kind of related things, meeting through chattering or through whatever it else, through the horror community, they get together and they do projects together. You know, that's one of the great things about Fright Fest. Um, huge thing about Fright Fest is there are so many people there who just were able to get projects off the ground because they've or because either because they've met people, they've met the right person, or they've got the right piece of encouragement. You know, they've got the piece of encouragement they needed to keep them going. My friend Paddy Murphy, who uh, has got a film premiering at Fright Fest called The Perished, posted literally the other day um, the fact that as one of the directors at last year's Fright Fest, they were outside having a cigarette. And Paddy was talking about the fact that his film hadn't got selected and he was willing to give it up. And he's like, I said, maybe just keep on going. You just keep trying um, until something sticks. And as I say, his film is now premiering at the Sears Fright Fest. Well, unfortunately, it's time Nick's got to get his stuff together uh, for this upcoming convention here. Uh, we are going to post links for his books and his website, nicholasvince.com, yeah. on a public forum for this interview. Nick, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. And good luck with the upcoming uh, projects, I Am Monsters, yeah, well, everything I mean, else going on. Yeah, absolutely. Which you'll be able to find at the website. You're going to sign, the web, sign up for the newsletter at the website for the uh, I Am Monsters newsletter. And I'm about to publish some behind the scenes stuff and let people know when tickets go and sell. And all the fun stuff in the edited version, maybe. <laughs> maybe we can sell scripts too to that <laughs> after the show. Okay. Hey, people know it, so. Absolutely. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact, Jack! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about.
Hi there, this is Barbie Wilde. I'm best known for playing the female Cenobite in Hellbound Hellraiser 2. You're listening to Crazy Train Radio.